Hi everyone, and another very warm welcome back to the Dr. Christian Heim podcast, where we're living for mental health, love, and compassion. We're really glad that you could join us again. My name is Caroline Heim, and I'm sitting here with Dr. Christian Heim. Hello. And this week, we're going to start a three-part series on your amazing brain and even more amazing mind. Okay, so let's just um, do a little bit of an introduction to all of this. Psychiatrists and the brain, what's the connection there? You're not actually a, a surgeon, so what is the connection with the brain? Well, it is a strange connection in a sense, because if you're, let's say, a cardiologist, then you know that you are working with the heart. In fact, you use medications that affect the heart. If you're a cardiac surgeon, then you'll actually be doing surgery on the heart. In psychiatry, it's a little bit different. Yes, we have medications that work directly on the brain, but if there's anything that's wrong with the brain itself, then the neurologists tend to take care of that, or the neurosurgeons, like they'll do surgery on a tumor or on uh, people who've had a stroke or things like that. I like to think that when I'm working as a psychotherapist in particular, I'm actually working with somebody's mind. Okay, all right. So, but you can't actually see it. You're just sitting there and it's, it's, that must be difficult. It is difficult. If I was um, a nephrologist, I would look at the kidney and I could even get people to take bits of the kidney to say, what is going on with this kidney? I can't do that with people's minds and I don't do it with people's brains, although it's possible. That's what uh, neurosurgeons do. We can't even see the mind. All that we know is that when your brain works, then you have a mind. But every time I'm listening to somebody to find out what's going on for them in their whole experience of life, I'm working with their mind. Okay, so as a psychiatrist, when you did your training, did you yes. study the different parts of the mind? or, or Sorry, of the brain? Of the brain? Yeah. Yes, yes. In fact, the wonderful thing about being a junior doctor is you get to do different terms in different disciplines. So I worked for a while in endocrinology, looking at all the hormones. I worked for a while in orthopedics, putting bones back together. I worked for a while in um, rehabilitation, where uh, we, we got people rehabilitated after uh, lengthy illnesses. It was when I was doing cardiology that I thought, you know what, all these different parts of the body are not really me. I want to work with something where we don't have answers. Okay, so lots of answers to come, I hope. So we're going to move to Christian giving something of a mini lecture here on your amazing brain. So let's have a listen. Folks, right here and now, I want to talk to you about how amazing your brain is. There are so many questions that we don't have answered yet, and one of them is why the universe actually exists. The universe as we know it is an amazing place. The experience of life is amazing, but your brain is a universe in itself. And just because of that, it is totally amazing. What I want you to do is to see your body as nothing more than a life support system for a brain. After all, the only reason we really have legs is to move your brain to different places. The only reason that you have arms and hands is to get information for your brain or to do what your brain wants to do. 
the only reason we have lungs is to be able to get oxygen into our body to support our body and our brain. The only reason we have a digestive system is to get nutrients from food to support our body and to support our brain. So the body is just a life support system for the brain. That's one way of looking at things. When people look at the ideas of alternate realities, uh, they sometimes say that maybe we're all just brains sitting in a vat and we're all connected to each other. They never say maybe we're all just livers sitting in vats connected to each other. Or they never say, look, maybe we're all just rectums in vats connected to each other. No, it's got to do with the brain. There is something really special about a brain. So let's zero in on the brain. The brain is a small lump of fat, about one and a half kilos, three pounds, with some protein added and some glucose and some oxygen to keep it going. I've had the privilege of holding a brain in my hands. It has the consistency of tofu, stale toothpaste, maybe medium hard cheese, but here's the point, it's really very frail which is why it's housed in such a thick skull and it swims around in this fluid to be able to take shocks so that it is protected. The amazing thing about the brain is each brain is unique and so it mediates your unique experiences of love, of hate, of pleasure, of pain, of everything that you learn and everything that you experience. The brain mediates the creation and appreciation of beautiful art, an amazing diversity of music, theater, sports, games, and everything that we do to enjoy ourselves. Our brain contains all the memories of our past. It propels us into the future through our hopes, our dreams, and our goals and it mediates decision-making in this present moment. The brain somehow houses our personality and it houses the awareness of who we actually are. In fact, it encompasses and somehow processes the total experience of being alive. Later on, I will talk about the mind, which is, in a sense, a superstructure to the brain. We can't see the mind, but we can see the brain. What we know for sure is if the brain isn't working, then you don't have a mind. So the brain is all important, and that's what I'm talking about here. The brain governs all basic bodily functions, even ones that we don't know about. It governs how our body moves. It processes all incoming sensations and it controls things in our body that we still don't even know exist. Just as one example, your brain carries out innumerable, extremely complex calculations automatically all the time. If you had to consciously calculate a tennis ball's speed, its trajectory, allow for the wind, do the mathematics, decide which muscles you have to activate and reach out just at the right moment to do the catch the ball thing, you wouldn't be able to do it. Yet your brain does incredible things like that 
all the time. In fact, the next time you have to just jump over a puddle, I want you to see how amazing it is that you can actually do that because you don't go through the whole of the physics in your mind. You don't go, okay, this puddle is about four feet wide. I will have to use this much force to launch off my left foot and land on my right foot here to be able to get there. You just don't do that. You automatically do it. It is really quite amazing. All right, let's zero in on some of the numbers of the brain because they really are totally astounding. Your brain is made up of neurons. Neurons are the cells, the little units that kind of do the thinking for you in your brain. Now, I want to tell you that each little cell is a universe in itself. It is a very complex structure, yet your brain has about a hundred billion of these. Now that's 14 times the world's population. And each one of these is capable of somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 connections with other neurons. That means that in your brain, you will have somewhere between 100 trillion and one quadrillion connections among all your neurons. Now, I'm sorry, but they're incomprehensible numbers. A quadrillion, for example, is a one with 15 zeros after it. I just can't comprehend that. What does that leave you with? That leaves you with a memory capacity of about a thousand to two and a half thousand terabytes. Just to put that into perspective, each terabyte could hold about 2 million textbooks of information, which means that up in your brain, you would have room enough for the information contained in 5 billion textbooks. That is astounding. All right, people tend to take their brain for granted and they know that incoming sensations for the brain come through our five senses. Okay, good, we've got two ears, we've got a tongue, we've got two eyes, we've got a nose, and yeah, I can touch things with my hands. And it makes it sound really trivial because we take it for granted and we use these senses every moment of every day. Let's break that down just a little bit. Let's start with your two ears. Each of your two ears have tiny hairs inside the inner ear. These tiny hairs can detect more than 300,000 different frequencies. That is why we're able to have such a rich array of sounds. The difference between a violin, a trumpet, and your mother screaming at you can be detected by your ears because all the different frequencies make up not only the pitch of any sound, but also the sound quality. It really is quite astounding. Your tongue. Yeah, you probably know that you've got taste buds at the back of your tongue, but to taste sweet, sour, salty, bitter, savory, and more, you actually have 500,000 taste receptors. The retinas of your eyes to be able to 
get the information from the light coming towards them and transfer them into electric impulses for your brain to understand, each have up to a hundred million optic receptors. A hundred million! Yep, that's one with eight zeros after it. That's astounding. And your nose can detect more than a trillion different odors. We couldn't possibly find words for all of them. A trillion, one with 12 zeros after it, that's your nose. Then there's your skin. Your skin has what's called thermoreceptors. This is basically to let you know the temperature on your skin. 200,000 of those, just so that we can tell what the weather's like. We have a half a million touch receptors. Now, touch receptors are really interesting because when somebody touches you, the amount of information that you get from that can be astounding. You can actually work out who that is, what mood they're in, and what their mental state is like. You can tell if that's an angry touch, a supportive touch, a loving touch, and more. This is how finely tuned our brain is with touch receptors. And then, because we don't like pain, we've got about 4 million pain receptors just distributed over the skin so that we can sense pain because we need to. Now, because we live in a computer age, we tend to see the brain as a computer, all right? It's a finite apparatus. It has uh, some input in, it stores some information, and then I can retrieve the information and have inputs out. But that is such a lame analogy for our brain. Why? Because a computer is finite, because a computer is dead, and because a computer serves the programmer, and it serves our brains actually. All that a computer is, is a very clever extension of our own little brain. All right, more than a computer, I want you to think of your brain as an entire nation. I'm going to take the USA as an example. The USA has something like 350 million people. And even if we say that each of those people know about 100 different people and they interact regularly with these 100 different people, then you end up with a whole lot of uh, connections among all these people. Okay, in fact, you end up with 35 billion connections. Your brain is infinitely more complex. Remember, the amount of connections among all your neurons would be something like one quadrillion. But this is how your brain is like a city. You see, sorry, uh, like a nation. Uh, because if somebody is marketing a product in New York City, they want to get it out and make connections to Chicago, Los Angeles, and all other cities all around the USA. There are families that live, let's say, in Colorado, that will have families in Florida and Oklahoma, and then they all make connections and get together for holidays. And if you were to calculate all the different interactions and all these people making decisions and making contributions to the nation of the USA and try to calculate 
all their connections through emails, phones, texts, or whatever, then you start to have just a little bit of an idea of how complex your brain is. What we do is we can look for overall patterns, but the details are incredibly, incredibly complex. All right, there are a few things about the body and the brain that we don't have answers to as yet. I'm going to go through some of those questions that we still have about the brain. But just as a little contrast, I want to go through some of the questions that we have about the body. These are the kind of things we still don't know about the body. Why do we cry when we laugh really hard or when we're really sad? Why do we cry at all? Why do we have unique fingerprints? Why do we have fingerprints at all? Why is one hand more dexterous than the other? And why is one leg more dexterous than the other? Why do males have nipples and breast tissue? Why do females have a hymen and how did it evolve? Why is the factory for making blood cells contained in large bones? And the biggest question with the wall, if we're supposed to fly economy class, why haven't we evolved smaller legs? Now, these questions regarding the body are, look, I won't say that they're trivial, but when you compare them to the questions that we have about the brain, you'll see that there's very little comparison because these are the kind of questions that we are grappling with right now in our research when it comes to the brain. What is consciousness? What is the subconscious mind? Where is the subconscious mind? Scientists actually like to use the word, the default mode network, but we're just starting to understand something about that. Do different people experience colors and sounds differently? What about brain chemicals? We're starting to know brain chemicals like dopamine and serotonin and endorphins, but we know a few dozen really well when there could be tens of thousands up there in our brain. Then there's a question about the brain chemicals. How does a brain chemical, which really is a protein, how does changes in the levels of that protein translate to what we feel as the experience of pleasure? Or how does an increase in serotonin lead to that feeling of calm? Or how does a decrease in serotonin lead to what we experience as loneliness and insecurity? Why does pain feel bad? Why does love feel so good? Then there are more complex questions. How is it that if I look at a great painting that that gets translated into feelings. So just imagine you're standing in front of the Mona Lisa and your brain goes, okay, my response to that will be three parts dopamine, two parts serotonin, and one part endorphins. How does that get translated to a feeling of, oh my gosh, that is so beautiful and so intriguing? We just don't know. Then there's music bit of my area, we know that music is 
good for the brain. We know that it is amazing in the brain because when you listen to music or if you play music, so many different parts of your brain light up. But how do we understand music? How can some music move me to tears? How can some music move me to tears of sadness or joy? And why is it that some types of music can actually make me really agitated? Where is the personality? Where is that screen that shows me what my eyes see about the world? Why do we actually dream? What is dreaming? What is the imagination? How is it possible for me to imagine things that don't exist? That's really quite intriguing because you can actually hypnotize somebody and give them the experience of having seen a three-sided square. The imagination can do that. Or let me say that the subconscious mind somewhere can do that. And here's one that we're starting to grapple with. From where do thoughts come? What are thoughts? How do they come into being? Now, these questions are not just, gee, it'd be nice to know why we have um, uh, unique fingerprints. These are questions that have to do with our very existence, with our very life, with our very universe. And we don't know the answers to them yet, but they are all part of your amazing brain. Wow, this is amazing. I am just blown away by this three pound lump of fat in my skull. And I hope you're just as amazed as I am. Please join us next week to learn more about your amazing brain and your even more 